We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing youth esports. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Bubber Gettert. Bubber is the executive director of Varsity Esports Foundation, a college esports ambassador for Collegiate Sports Management Group, an esports ambassador for DNH Distributing, and the co-founder of the Esports Education Network. Thanks for joining us. Justin, so glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. I'm excited to be on your very exclusive expert panels of podcasts that you have, a ton of them. So I'm glad to be one of the many. Well, I appreciate that. I was thinking about like when my episode 100 comes in, like maybe I'm going to have to be my own guest and just talk for an hour (laughs) and torture everyone. But I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, you know, thanks for joining us. And, you know, we'll kind of start. Tell us a bit about your past esports and gaming experience. You know, what was the first game you played and how did you get involved mm. in the esports and gaming world? Well, Justin, my first real gaming experience was really like three years old. I was, you know, nowadays I think like three years old is kind of normal. I think in the 80s it was abnormal um, because of technology nowadays. But really my dad worked at Radio Shack when I was a kid. So I was real lucky to be able to go and play with remote control cars and look at IBM and Tandy computers and uh, many of the old Ataris and stuff like that. So that was my first experiences. Games for me really were a lot of PC-based, text-based games. And I'm 39 years old and proud of it. And I'm still, I'm not a, I'm not a boomer or a Gen X. I'm an old millennial. And I definitely played a lot of the things through 80s, 90s, 2000s. But yeah, first games really are some old text-based games, a lot of Sierra is an old um, company that I'm sure is still around. I think it is still around, but Sierra games were some fun games. But that's that's when I was a young kid. As I got older, things like World of Warcraft were my go-to from an EverQuest before that when I was right out of high school in 2000. But yeah, that's kind of my start, and I just like all sorts of games. I'm kind of a variety gamer. Awesome. So definitely have been around since the beginning, so that's always exciting. <laughs> Um, so tell us about the Varsity Esports Foundation. You know, what is it? Why was it formed? And what's some mm-hmm. of the stuff you're working mm-hmm. on there? Yeah, back in 2017, I started learning about the gaming and esports industry. I had, at that point, for about 17 years, worked in the traditional sports space, which is funny to say traditional sports space because that's 
what we in the esports space have to call it. But before I came over to the esports side, I just called sports sports. It's still and- sports sports. Come on, <laughs> you don't have to say traditional sports. It's sports, and there's esports. There is, but you have to delineate sometimes for people in this industry. A lot of gatekeeping, as you know. Um, but yes, that side for sports was a lot of fun. 17 years, YMCA, I worked at NCAA, NAIA, uh, Division One and Two. Uh, worked in radio and media. I used to be at least have a lot of fun just running around the court and the football fields being the crazy guy in the mic. Had a lot of fun and did a lot of stuff in in sports with nonprofits. And I work with a lot of families that were in areas of low socioeconomic status and disenfranchised families through the years, uh, especially with our church and everything else we did. This is back in Oklahoma. And I noticed as I started learning more about the gaming esports industry, I started to actually get more involved. I started streaming on Twitch, but I wasn't playing games. I was doing artwork. And I had decided while I was at the sports commission, the chamber of commerce here in a suburb of Kansas city to actually hold a gaming event. I had hosted plenty of football and soccer and basketball events, but we had a new conference center and I wanted to do something nerdy. And I decided let's start a gaming event for even board games and, and gaming esports. And I met a lot of really cool people in Kansas city, Kansas area from Midwest esports guys to which are now called unified to the high school esports league guys. Uh, they had a booth at my actual event. And the fun thing about them, I sat down with Mason, the founder, a few weeks later to talk more about what high school esports league was. And I was still working at the Chamber of Commerce. And he had shown me the map of the 1,500 high schools around North America that they had on their in their platform. And I said, where's all the schools in the inner city and out in the rural area, all the pin dots on the map were in the suburbs. And so from that, we decided there needs to be some sort of nonprofit that supports inner city schools and supports any of those rural areas with access to esport clubs and gaming when there isn't because of things like digital redlining and um, you know racial inequality, all sorts of stuff that's there. And so that's really out of necessity the foundation was thought of and created. And in 2019, in September, I left sports and took over as the first and only employee of the Varsity Sports Foundation. Amazing. So kind of tell us a little bit how you work with Generation Esports and their high school and middle school esports mm-hmm. league and how that all came about. Well, it's funny. They're here in Kansas City. And uh, gosh, since this was Mason and I's idea back in 2018, 17, this this partnership has been great because it allowed me to immerse myself. I rented office space from them and got to immerse myself and learn a ton. I came in as a noob and came in as somebody who just knows nonprofit, just knows fundraising and working with you know disenfranchised families and students. But the education space, I've been an educator for about eight years. I teach at a university here in Kansas City in sports uh, department through officiating and coaching and stuff like that. But the really just a combined focus for me was being able to do stuff in education and gaming and learning and immersing myself in what they were doing at their offices in my own little corner and hearing and also being a watchdog has been fun, you know, saying, hey, why is there so many white kids in these photos? Why is there no girls in these in these photos for things that are out there in the space? 
why are we all using that one marketing photo from uh, St- Shutterstock with the white kid and the blue shirt playing a video game? We're all using that. So a lot of that watchdog stuff, but really with Generation Esports, which it was only high school esports league at that time, Mason and I created the foundation and he was my first board member. So it, it was incredibly easy to work together to complement each other. And that function of the foundation was to find any schools in Title I areas, uh, Title I being for low-income uh, schools that receive federal funding. And those schools can basically come to the foundation, apply for support, and we can help out with grants and financial assistance for them to be involved in esport clubs, help find them opportunities for equipment. And the the benefit there is we're providing some really important opportunities for these students that otherwise wouldn't have had access. And so out of all that, the high school esports league, NASIF, um, you know, different different leagues out there that I get to work with, it's fun to support that space so that the students can do something more when data shows that a lot of them don't participate in things. So it's a good, it's a good subset of kids to serve. Amazing. Well, thank you for doing that. I'm sure everyone out there is very, you know, thankful for all that you're able to do. So tell us a little about starting, you know, a youth program in esports. What are some benefits a school might have? And, you know, what are some pitfalls mm-hmm. to look out for when you're doing it? Yeah, Justin, we, we got so many of those questions for, for a long time that uh, Connor Olney, Coach Olney, he actually worked for me for a little while and helped me create the Esports Education Network that is a, just a collection of videos that he created as a former college coach and a former pro player and creator of a college league back in Iowa. He helped create with me these videos. He did a lot of the scripting. I did a lot of the editing. He looks better than me, so it worked out. Uh, for screen time. And a lot of those videos are really, what is esports? Why is it beneficial to schools? Uh, how do you start a club? Uh, we actually have a coaching certification that we created for high school, middle school coaches. And then there's how do scholarships work? So we have these free courses available for parents, um, for students, for educators, administrators, e- even the board members who don't know how to use a flip phone, understand what esports is. These videos and these courses were developed because we kept saying the same thing over and over and decided to put onto, onto a video this information so we don't have to say it over and over. So with the ability to have those videos, we in those videos, what we put is the common conversations that we have with parents and educators is I don't get it. I don't even know how to, oh, what games to play. What do I do? Really, that's great because all you need to do is, as an educator, know how to have fun with kids and support them. And when supporting them, they already know what's going on with the games. They're going to teach you. And a lot of these students could probably do all this by themselves, but they need a sponsor and they need a coach and they need an adult. And I hear probably 50 different schools a week uh, starting some form of a esports or gaming club around the nation, and right now we're sitting at about four to five thousand high schools in the United States that have some started some form of a gaming or esports club over the past eight years, and it's been fun to be a part of that in the sense of those students that are underserved, but also educating those boards and those districts about all the benefits of esports. 
And I mentioned earlier the attendance and the GPA because when we survey these students, 82% of them say that they are not participating in any other extracurricular activities, which is that subset of kids we talked about. Plus the numbers we see from students is we see an average of a GPA increase of 1.7 and their attendance go up by 10%. So these kids who aren't involved in stuff get involved, their GPA goes up. Same thing if they weren't involved in anything and they got involved with football, their grades are going to go up because it's something active that they want to have good grades in so they can then keep participating and keep being a part of it. Now, out of all that, you have these these great byproducts of you know teamwork, collaboration, and college and career readiness. And there's a ton of curriculum and programming and working with your career and technical education courses like your computer science and design and graphic design to help students go further than just play the game. As Kevin Brown from NASA says, it's the chocolate on the broccoli and it allows you to get the kids in the door. And with all that, they're able to maybe have better grades like we talked about, maybe spend less time at home playing video games alone and eating dinner with their families and eating healthier and sleeping more. So that's just another program at the school that is just new and fancy and, and esports is a sexy word and people want to talk about it and take part of it. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, an amazing segue point to kind of the next one. So tell us what about your work with the collegiate sports management group? You know, what does the company do in the esports space and what's your role with them? Yeah. So I was an ambassador. I brought on, got brought on last year to, uh, be an ambassador because I had actually worked with them, um, I guess since probably 2020, we, we were working together with the NJCAAE, which is, a uh, is the really only governing body out there for collegiate space. That is actually a, a governing body sanctioning esports. You know, NAIA has not done it. NCAA is who knows when they're going to do it, but, the NJCAA is actually sanctioning it from that level. Now there's conferences that do it, but Collegiate Sports Manager Group has been around for 17 some odd years, but they've really been focused on sports. But I think over the past three years, they dove deep into esports. And I got to work with them early on with just some hosting, hosting some stuff. And I get asked, you know, sometimes to host some things and be a personality and be on camera. And I said, yes, a, while, a long time ago. And they kept asking me back. And then I just really got to know them a lot better and com- you know, do a little bit of comparison to what they do and what other organizations in the space are trying to do and seeing the value of them trying to collaborate and bring more people together rather than the collegiate space and the esports space of a, a Wild West or you know, space exploration where there's a lot of people doing it and all trying to come together, but all still doing their own thing. Now, when that when I noticed that, I said, man, they're, they're doing a good thing. And they said, you know, can you can you help us learn some stuff about the space? <laughs> and I said, sure. So I became an ambassador for them. And then now I get to help them create some content. And I'm going to help them with some content for 27, 24-7 esports collegiate shows on Twitch this year. And I'm super excited because it's just another opportunity for me. That's a complimentary thing to what I do at the foundation to reach more students, reach more parents, um, give give that opportunity for those students to go to college when there may have not have been in the, in the past. 
Awesome. It sounds like they're really onto something there. So it'll be interesting to see how that network plays out. So mm-hmm. uh, you're also an ambassador for DNH distributing. You know, wh- what does that kind of entail? How that all happened? Yeah. Similar, similar interaction there. They actually, when Connor and I were creating the esports education network, they saw our courses and they wanted to create some sort of certification for the people who go out to schools and help schools get their PCs and their equipment. And what was happening back in October 19th, October 19, they had brought me out, said, Hey, you know, stuff about esports. Here's the questions we're getting. Schools are saying, Hey, computer people, how do we get an esports club? What is it? And these computer sales people were saying, what, what is this esports space and what computers do you need? So luckily those bunch of nerds like me and others said, here's how and what you should do. And Connor and I helped create a certification. So those, those what they're called resellers, those vendors with, you know, HP and Dell who sell this kind of equipment to schools can go into a school and say, look, I've got a certification and I've got a course that is recognized to be able to come in and say, here's why you should do esports in your school and gaming. And if you want to buy equipment, I can also help you with that. So it's a good kind of ambassador role anyways for them. But with DNH, I just kept hosting again, being asked to host some things and kept being engaged in uh, what they were doing. And they said, you know, we, we appreciate what you do. Can you just really be an esports ambassador for us? Cause we need some insight. And uh, I've, I don't consider myself a truly expert because I'm very young to the game, but I, I know three, three, four years is pretty old in the space, but I'm definitely not where I, I'd love to be because there's a lot more to learn, but it's great to be able to help and say that I see what DNH is doing. And that's another reason why I said yes, was I saw what they were doing in the esports space comparably to some of their competition out there that were uh, not really diving anywhere into esports uh, for Scholastic. And so when it comes to that idea of being an esports ambassador, it's me saying, I know what they're doing and they're doing it right. And, you know, working with them over the past few years already through the foundation, it was a no brainer because we got to help schools. We got to help schools together. And so it's just another way for me to support and be complimentary to what I do at the foundation to help the Scholastic space in esports. Awesome. I think that's really, you know, a really good point that it's like, yeah, these schools don't really know what to do. They don't know what equipment to get. I mean, even the talent that I deal with, mm-hmm. some of the more traditional entertainers and athletes, like they don't know mm-hmm. what memory card and different wires they need. <laughs> and, and like 100%. I kind of made like a, a starter kit where it's like you need at least mm-hmm. this kind of laptop and you need, you know, this cord to go from your Xbox to mm-hmm. the computer and like you know, we'll remotely set up your overlay, but like you need at least this stuff. So it's good that, you know, you have Mm -hmm. people out there that are dealing with these schools that can kind of bring that into play. So Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit, you know, the future plans for the esports education network. Are you trying to expand to more courses and certifications Mm -hmm. or, you know, what are you trying to do with it? Yeah. So fun history there, Justin, we, these certifications, which have had some fun kind of, (laughs) <laughs> esports and certification have had a, a very funny last two years with what's happened in the space. And it's very interesting because like I'll say esports and scholastic esports, there are a lot of us gatekeepers. There's probably too many of us that are gatekeepers. 
and but rightfully so in a lot of them i'm glad there are because there's some there's some things in our space that need to be watched um but we were looking at jay prescott what he was doing with um NACAD, which helps you know coaches and directors in college esports and has a certification. And we got to talking and talking, and there was, wasn't anything for the high school, middle school space in that sense. And it's just funny how <laughs> so many of us were all – I had many conversations with many different people about there needs to be some sort of educational component for the coaches. There's no focus on the coaches. It is here's a team, get with it, and here's a list of what you need to do. So we looked and looked and like, what is, what is the accrediting organization out there that says we can have a certification? Where, where is it? Who do we ask? How can we get this, you know, value valued? And what I learned is there is none. And there's usually none for other industries as well. A bunch of experts get together and create some sort of certification and accreditation. And they say, this is it. This is it. I mean, surely there is some bunch of lawyers who met and said there needs to be a bar association in Alabama. Yep, the American Bar because, Association and exactly. the New York Bar mm-hmm. Association, all of these state yeah. bar associations. Because, exactly. Exactly. So a bunch of experts got together. Now, and you probably pay some sort of fees every year. That's normal. So it's in every industry. It's just we hadn't had it yet in our space. And so when we created that, the idea was to really make it a network for the ability for anyone who has curriculum or content to put it all on there and we share it out. Uh, we didn't get that far yet other than the courses, but we're going to be developing some, you know, reskinning some courses this year um, in partnership with our high school esports league friends and really doing a lot more stuff around curriculum uh, when it comes to those, those courses that are involved for the high school, middle school space around College and career readiness and also mental health is going to be a big push this year when it comes to educating um, the schools and the teachers and the students. Awesome. So to kind of move it towards the conclusion, so how large mm-hmm. can the you know K through twelve esports space grow and how? Well, let's look at the numbers. Uh, high schools in the United States. Let's just let's just focus United States. There's thirty five thousand public, private, charter, parochial schools, and others. And like I said, there's only about 5,000 that we know of right now that are actively doing some form of a club, whether that be super competitive or just playing switch together. And so there's a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of room to grow. I mean, when we look at how many student athletes in football come out of the senior year that go into the college space to be recruited, it's a big, big number. When we look at the space for high school students to go out looking to be recruited into the college space, it's very, very low. And it's a lower, it's still even a lower percentage to get recruited, uh, less, less a, a smaller number than it would be for other sports. So it's going to, it's going to grow. Uh, the middle school space, we know about, you know, 800 to a thousand middle schools that are doing stuff around the country. A lot of Minecraft focus. A lot of STEM focus, not as much as the competition in esports, but more the gaming clubs. And when we get even further down into the elementary space, that kindergarten through fifth, and sometimes sixth, depending on the, the city or the state, you have a lot more of that STEM focus. They're probably doing something with Legos, but gaming is some sort of component. As, as we know, more of those younger games are more education-based. 
And like my three boys, they play a lot of education-based stuff because they're still young, 12, uh, 10, and 6. And so we're not truly into the esports space uh, gaming right now competitively, but that's where it lives with the younger ones. But I'd say the high school space is going to continue to triple like it has every year for the past eight, nine years. And if we see that, we should be pretty high in numbers in the next few years, uh, if not getting closer to half of all of those schools in the you know freshman through senior year type um, structure throughout at least North America. North America combined, I guess, with Canada has Canada has about two hundred schools uh, in in Canada that are focused on esport clubs as well. Awesome. So I guess it really does sound like there's a huge area to grow. I know that you know curriculum development definitely you know is something that is constantly evolving, and I'm involved in some of that stuff too. So always interested to see what classes come. So what's the future of the varsity esports foundation? You know, what are your plans going forward? Yeah. 2022 is holding a fun year of new partnerships with international organizations and uh, mental health focus, really big mental health focus and push this year. We try to be proactive in educating and providing literacy. I don't usually want to create something, uh, you know, as a one-man show, I don't really want to create something when there's other organizations out there doing it. The certifications were just kind of our only stab into it. What I like doing and what I'll continue to do for the foundation is connecting with those organizations out there that are doing really great things. From many of the people that you've interviewed on your podcast to more and just promoting what they do. That's kind of what we want to do at the foundation is just, that's not kind of what, that's what we do. And that's what we want to do is keep promoting the people who are doing great things in our space. And the other fun part of that has always been meeting someone in Florida saying, we're the only person in the world doing X and me saying, Hey, do you know this person in California who's doing the same thing? No. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're not, but I guess we can learn from each other. And that's just a connecting kind of personality I have as well as what the foundation is here for is to provide that. And, you know, just we distribute a lot of scholarships out for students and we send those dollars right to their college student account. So they're not taxed on it, which, you know, in your book, there was some that you covered in that. And I definitely want to learn more in the really great book that you have um, that has been a good reference for me. And I know a lot of people got it. I definitely think anybody out there should check out Justin's book because it's extremely helpful for um, people in this profession. You know, it's the essential guide to business and law of esports and professional video games. So make sure you check that out. Back to what I was saying though, the, the space here where we need the ability to help others and provide them with information we just we just want to provide those uh, those values and provide those opportunities where I'm not having to create stuff, but saying look at what this person is doing, look at what this organization is doing, and 2022 is going to be fun for that as well as kind of like I said reskinning some of our education network stuff and uh, really we we knew we we're going to have to update it someday and <laughs> have to update what's going on in the space. So this is the year to make a 2.0 version of what we've done. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for the, you know, the kind words. I definitely have had some interesting podcast guests and I'm glad you're enjoying the book. So, you know, I like to end each episode with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Hmm. It's been Call of Duty the past few years just because I've played it a lot. Mm. And because that's what me and my friends all played when COVID hit. And so I say that's easier. I think it's I think the game doesn't usually pertain to really what I like watching. It's usually the entertainer, the streamer. That's probably where I'm I I, I fall on to Tim the Tatman's page a lot just because he is funny and outrageous and uh, very uh, a kinship to me when I met him back at TwitchCon in 2019. You know, we, we almost look the same, but I was going to say that's your, that's your well, doppelganger, right? <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's just not as bearded as me anymore. And, uh, I think he's, I think he's, he's works out a whole lot more than I do. Hmm. Awesome. Well, so what's your favorite game to play? Man. I, well, this space is something new all the time. I, I'll, I'll always go back to world of Warcraft as, that game that I played for 15 years off and on and never really was a, a big raider of any kind. But I've, right now, Halo is just killing it for me right now, and I played a ton of Splitgate last year. So that FPS, FPS shooters is kind of my my go-to. Okay, nice. So who's your favorite video game character? Wow, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I go back to the 80s, man. Uh the I, I was kind of kind of in a tie for Prince of Persia from the eighties. I don't know if you ever played anything like that where you ran is left to right and you had to jump and run and not get spikes. I like Prince of Persia, and I also liked um, the police quest characters from Sierra. So those are just ones that are going to sit with me. I I, I I I I do like Red Dead Redemption. I play that a ton, but yeah, those games from the eighties probably sit with me the most. Okay, awesome. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. I'm sure all the listeners out there are going to really enjoy it. So tell them where they can connect with you. Yeah, you can connect with me on Twitter. Just my name, Bubba Gettert. Please, please connect with me. I'm happy to speak to any organizations or schools or nonprofits about the benefits of esports and gaming as a activity or in a school. And you can also go donate at varsityesportsfoundation.org to support scholarships and grants for low-income schools right here in the United States. Well, everyone out there, definitely go check that out and you know try to support what they're doing over there because it's obviously some amazing work trying to you know bridge the gap that we all hear about. And you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. Check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes.